What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Never Made Pod. My name is Aaron Friedman, and you can find me on Twitter at Aaron P. Friedman. What's up, y'all? This is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. What's up, everybody? Since Aaron didn't go later, I had to have the dramatic pause. You know, and then, you know. I'm still gonna cut out. What? <laughs> anyway, I'm Dave Rivera. You can find me on Twitter at drivera one two two two. Yellow. It's your boy Maverick. You can find me on social media at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. I'll keep that pause. <laughs> wow. This week is my turn to host the pod. Colby asked in our group chat on Thursday if anyone wanted to lead this week, and I said I can, and he said, oh, God, okay. <laughs> you were asking for it. The ultimate, I, I did. Ultimate vote of confidence. Yes, one heck of a hey, vote of confidence. it's going to be fun. That's why I have multiple um, standard drinks with me <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> Love your confidence in me. So we're going to get started with basketball. Um, We took the week off last week uh, because of the game that happened last Saturday against (laughs) the team from Durham. Uh, We lost 98-96. Moving on, we lost to Wake Forest by a lot. I didn't even watch that game. And then yesterday we lost 64-62 to UVA. I honestly don't know what to say anymore yeah it's um it's been a tough watch it's been a tough go of it for the heels recently i did not watch the second half of the wake forest game because i did not like how it was going and i would rather watch the mcdonald's documentary that was on hbo which is very good by the way but that was a lot more entertaining than anything that it game ended up being Somebody, I think it was Joe Ovius, who tweeted that watching UNC this season was like watching the whole Reek thing on Game of Thrones play out. Like, we get it. We get it. He's being torn apart. This is getting a little (laughs) bit too too much. We get it. The point has been made. You can stop now. (laughs) And it's been losing in heartbreak fashions, too. It's not been... Uh, we have lost our fair share of games by mul- by more multiple possession games, but especially the last couple and several throughout the season, where you think about like Virginia Tech, Duke ultimately, and then Virginia last night, they've been on the final possession a lot of times. And I we I think several of us, at least me and David, agree on it. I would rather lose by fifteen and know that we're bad than to lose at the buzzer Yeah, I, I and, and be competitive. I don't know how much I agree with that because I've been fans of Cleveland teams that have been awful entire seasons and teams that have lost in gun, gut-wrenching ways in the World Series and the NBA Finals, and it's be, it's more fun to be there and lose, even if it's more painful in the moment. I think it's more fun to be there and lose than to not be there at all. I was watching the Virginia game yesterday with a state grad, and after the game, she was like, now you all know how it feels <laughs> to go through this every single game. Uh, also, I have a story to tell about that. Aaron, please write that down so I can talk about it after the podcast. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not for it's not for the public. <laughs> but, um, NSFP. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know if I'd rather lose by 50. Like, at this point, I can't be hurt anymore. I literally tweeted right before, like, right when Christian Keeling hit his third free throw. I was like, okay, who ordered the buzzer beater? And then it came right afterwards. I What's different between this and, like, football um, a couple seasons ago, or, like, the last couple football seasons until this one, it's not like we're finding creative ways to lose. Like, we're kind of progressing in the way... It's becoming more predictable in the ways that we're going to lose. So at least I can, like, shield myself before it <laughs> happens. But it's it's going to end up to, in that loss either way. I think the Duke game, the back-to-back buzzer beaters broke me. Because I legitimately started laughing when Virginia hit that shot to win the game yesterday. I did, too. It, it, I mean, it's funny. It's like... The players like being sad is not funny, but like the the cosmic like the broad view of this season is kind of hilarious. And I just feel like, and I, I think Maverick, you were the one that said it right. Like we just have so many buzzer beaters hit against us that I feel like the the ratio is off. Like that was me, sir. That was you. Okay, so it was you. So like, yeah, that's right, because you were gonna uh, at uh, Brian Ives. Um, but like you think about like all of the like adding Virginia onto the list of buzzer beaters is like, well, <laughs> I, it's like chronic at this point. He did end up tweeting, not directly to us or to Colby, because Colby was the one that asked the question, but he did at least prompt it with, uh, particularly in the vein of this season. So in the final minute of regulation this season, we are shooting 6-17 to 17 from the field, 35%, and then opponents are shooting 17-23. of 23. That's 74% in the final minute of regulation slash OT this season. But we were talking about, we were trying to count up all the buzzer beaters that we've had in recent memory. We've had three, four already this year. We've had Virginia Tech, Virginia, Duke. We had Miami our senior year. We had Villanova. uh, And I'm sure there have been Texas. Texas, Texas, other Duke. I mean, yeah, Duke's hit uh, several others. Like, it wasn't buzzer beater but they but zion hit the game like the go-ahead yeah. basket under a minute in the acc tournament so it's it just always it seems like it's more common and i don't know why i don't know what we can do to stop it because it seems to go in i mean i do think time. that I, I do think that we have more against us than we have in our favor but i also think part of it is that we just have a lot of them in high-pressure games, and those are more notable than a lot of the other ones. Like, Kobe had the one against Miami last year. We don't talk about that one as much. Luke obviously had the one. Marcus Page had the one. And Louisville. Marcus Page against Maryland. And Mar- oh, sorry, Maryland, not Louisville. Well, both of them. Did he have Louisville, too? Oh, that's right. No, I, uh, NC State and Maryland. Oh, okay. Tyler Hansbrough had the one. Like we have our fair that was share, like two thousand eight. Yes, uh, my yes, student. But, uh, if you, you already said it, but yeah. I just have to say it again that my student hit the game-winning shot against Kentucky. I think it's yeah. just that the trauma of having them against you doesn't make or the positive feelings of when you make one doesn't make up for the trauma of when it happens against you. Because I know. I wasn't even that well-versed in Carolina buzzer beaters, but when we were against Oregon in the Final Four three years ago, I was expecting them to do it two different times. 
I, I, I saw still it maintain that if we didn't get those rebounds, it would have happened. <laughs> maybe I saw it coming both times against Duke. I saw it coming both. I saw it coming against Virginia yesterday. It's traumatic, and that something kind of lends to my argument in that how I like the I'd rather lose by multiple because I feel like the optics, especially in like basketball media or even sports media in general, it's a little more negative when you lose at the buzzer than when you lose just big because if you lose big you're just you you were just not playing well that day but especially when you look at our season where a lot of those games that we lost at the buzzer were games we had 10 point leads at halftime it lends more to a meltdown or a a lack of finishing and that's I think has more negative optics now I will say this team is better than it was in January. Yeah, oh, very much so. Like, yes, it it's markedly better than it was in January. It's a tougher stretch of our schedule. Virginia has been playing better. Christian Keeling has been playing very well since we, I since we last recorded this podcast. I'm not sure how many he had yesterday, but going into yesterday's game, he scored in double digits for three straight games. I am not an unreasonable person. <laughs> I can recognize when he's playing well. I think he might have been but, in double digits yesterday too. I, I just wasn't counting because I wasn't in a place where I was like keeping track of stats while I was watching the game. But um, we were getting better. And it's just that it's not enough right now, and it's frustrating. But you know, I I'm fine letting this season go. Nothing can hurt me after uh, 27 or 2016. So yeah, it that just numbed me to everything. I'm pretty dead inside. Yeah. And that's even after winning the next year. It's like it's you're still like ah, I don't have anything left. <laughs> so that's all I have for Carolina. Yeah, I don't really have much more to say. Mav, no. Let's shoot this in the sun. Where's our McDonald's All Americans? <laughs> I know. Yeah, the next Puff year was at the, the game Cavalry's yesterday. Coming. So I'll bring on next fun. year. It, is it football season yet? We keep <laughs> no, doing that. No, but it is baseball season. Diamond we, I'm not- actually excited to talk about baseball today because <laughs> can, can, can we can we talk about the Astros? Yeah, we could go right to the Astros. The, I mean, can we, just to at least mention it, the, Astros. the Diamond Heels had their opening series this weekend, swept Middle Tennessee. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to be good. We're always good. We are ranked about 15th, I think. We lost a lot of strong players. We lost a lot of strong players from last year, but we have a lot of good guys back. Aaron Sabato's back, already bashing. Uh, Joey Lancelotti's back, got a win on Friday, hit a walk-off homer on Saturday. Uh, And he's a pitcher. Yes, he's a pitcher slash DH. Um, Will Sandy had a really... Luca's out again. Yeah, Luca's hurt. That's just come to be expected at this point. This is the third year in a row that's happened, and there's no timetable on its return. When he's healthy, he's really good, but it's a hard if on if he's healthy. So, yeah, it's shaping up to be a really exciting baseball season in Chapel Hill, as it always is. We start the season with, I think, three home weekends in a row. Next week, we play a Negro League 100th anniversary game against uh, A&T, which I think will be really cool. Um, I wonder if it, I know a couple seasons ago A and T is good. A and T was good. I'm not. Yeah, sure. we played them in year. the regional a couple years ago, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's all there is so far for Carolina baseball. But in other baseball news this week, Wait, we had pause. 
uh, David, what was um, the measure count when that happened? Uh, let me go back and see. The measure count was 359. Cool. All right. Just so you can get that in there. Sorry. All right. Can I keep going? Yes. Sorry. <laughs> You're fine. Moving on from Carolina baseball, we had a very, very, very disastrous Astros press conference <laughs> earlier this week regarding their cheating scandal. I would it like to bad. reiterate that it's a uh, quack the Astros that I cannot I cannot use the choice word. <laughs> I just quack don't the Astros. Understand how they can keep digging their hole deeper and deeper. It's not like it's so bad. It's like they don't know what to say to just make it better. Say you messed up and you're sorry. That's all you can say. My favorite part of the press conference is when I don't remember who in the organization said that it didn't affect the games, and they were like, but it had to affect the games, right? And they were like, no, we don't think so. And then they just, like, stumbled over it, and then the PR person said the press conference was was over. It's so bad. It's bad, and then the commissioner, was it it Manfred? Manfred. 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 Manfred decided to say something like, we didn't rescind their championship because we didn't think that taking away a piece of metal would mean anything. And then it's like, well, is that what you think that is? Like, is that what you think it is? I honestly think with what Manfred has done with this cheating scandal, how he's handled the punishment, and with his new proposal for the MLB playoffs, he might be a worse commissioner than Roger Goodell. And that's saying something. I honestly, the Roger Goodell thing is that he's very bad at the one thing. I think he's a fine commissioner. Like, in every other aspect of the game, I think it's fine. Like, the actual game of football, I think Roger Goodell's been a pretty good commissioner. Except when he wants to be judge, jury, and executioner. Yeah, he's just Rob, that bad at it. Yeah, he's he's legitimately that bad at it. Rob Manfred... He, like he can't figure out how to make people not hate him. I just don't know <laughs> if he understands the game of baseball. Like, do you remember? I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, when um he went on the Dan Levitard show. It might have been during the local hour. Um, and Dan just like grilled him on the um the sale of the. Marlins and he could not answer any of the questions. Mm-hmm. I think I vaguely remember that. I guess he really struggles with that PR aspect, and I don't know. He needs to get some smarter people around him or something because it is not a good look for him, especially when the baseball union is what it is. Like I am pro labor, of course, but like. <laughs> He does not do a very good job of representing his side of things. Did you see that he said that uh, um, retaliation against the Astros will not be tolerated? And then Rachel Nichols quote tweeted and said, oh, so that won't be tolerated, but dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) I love Rachel Nichols, by the way. (laughs) They might get some some heaters to the dome next year. (laughs) They might get those unwritten rules thrown at them, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, across the pond, we got Man City. Yeah. So, Man City, 
I don't even know what really happened. They like lied about their payroll or something like that, right? Yeah, and got this super harsh penalty from UEFA. Yeah, they were banned from the Champions League for three seasons, right? Yep. And I think that something I, like that is a much more su- suitable punishment for the Astros. Ban them from the postseason for a few years. I understand that taking away a World Series really doesn't do anything, but banning them from the postseason does. I actually like that a lot. Because, mm-hmm. like, this... So for instance, this Georgia Tech season, I think Georgia Tech is better than I expected them to be. And if, if a couple breaks go their way, they could have been a tournament team. And they would not have gotten the chance to enjoy that because they have a postseason ban. They can't do any of that right now. I yeah. think stuff like that is a good punishment. It's maybe Especially not so if you want to punish the-, the team itself. Because I think that part of the issue with this whole thing is the MLB Players Association and Players Associations in the four major sports in general are very strong, so it's hard to have a major punishment on a player for something like this where there's not really precedent. But punishing the teams is an effective punishment. Like, having a strong punishment on the team is an effective punishment because the players are still under contract and you're basically giving what would be an effective suspension because it's Altuve and Bregman and Correa's primes that they then couldn't make the playoffs. I I will then say, in college, all the players on that team should be able to transfer without penalty. But these are professional baseball players who are getting paid anyway. Yes. And they are the players who were the ones cheating. Yeah. Um, it's also... kind. Of, I saw people mentioning in 2006, the Italian football scandal, where Juventus was relegated to... Uh, Series B. I don't know if that's League 2 or League 4 or League 3 or whatever, but they were relegated out of the top league. And that had a very major effect on them for a long time. I read. I don't keep up with Italian football. I just saw something of that sort. Believe it or not, Never Made Varsity is not the preeminent expert on Italian football. <laughs> but I just don't understand how something so verifiable and so unquestionably affecting of the game, you just completely drop the ball on punishing. You're saying that the pro- the price of a World Series is $5 million and two draft picks, which any owner with half a brain would pay that for a World Series. Oh, yeah. Do y'all buy the, uh, the tattoo thing? No. Tell me more. <laughs> Uh, so is it Altuve? Yes. So Altuve, there was that video that circulated of him, like when he was rounding home plates, that he was covering his jersey and telling them don't rip it off, et cetera, et cetera. And apparently people are saying that, or he's saying that, one, his first excuse was his wife didn't like it when they took his jersey off and he was on camera. <laughs> And two, his second one was that he had a bad tattoo. Or no, he had a tattoo that was that looked bad because it was still healing. Therefore, he didn't want it to be on camera. Oh, no. Why when in actuality, it was probably a buzzer. Lying. That he winked wasn't, wasn't hiding a wire. Wink, wink. On top of that, <laughs> he had an undershirt on for an inning and a half in the late game. And then he didn't... The 
first like seven innings or so, and then the bottom of the seventh through the bottom of the eighth inning, he had an undershirt on. Then when he came up to bat in the ninth inning, the undershirt was off again. I.e., he put the buzzer back on. So, anyway, that's my thoughts on the Astros. Yeah, I don't have anything more to say about it other than that the Astros are the worst, and they are my new least favorite team in baseball. You know it's bad when people become sympathetic to the Yankees. Yes. (laughs) But isn't baseball more interesting when there's this kind of spiciness happening, though? Because now we're talking about baseball. Uh, I wouldn't say all that. Anyways, moving on from baseball, did y'all watch the dunk contest yesterday? Yes. Yeah. I watched highlights from it. Aaron Gordon was robbed. Robbed. Again. Again. I just don't understand how basically every single dunk is a 50, and then jumping over Taco Fall, who's 7'5", is not a 50. Apparently, so according to Common... They were supposed to give his dunk a 48 as well, and then it ended, and then for it to end as a tie. But someone, quote unquote, someone messed it up. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade, Wade said he wasn't going to ruin it, and then he ruined it. I think the issue is just with the with how they assign scores because their criteria is any good dunk is a 50. It should be a jaw dropping drunk. Jaw-dropping dunk is a 50. But they were kind of all really cool dunks. I mean, yes, but there's a difference between a really cool dunk that's like a 45 and a Aaron Gordon top five dunk contest dunk of all time. First time in NBA history to win the dunk contest twice, yet not. Yes, exactly. Like, his dunk over the mascot, his ball off the backboard, those are 50s. Taco Fall is probably a 47-48. Any other dunk, I don't know. They can be really good, but really good can also not be worth a 50. That's all no, I have really to Really good dunk contest, though. There have been some really good ones the past few years, and as they were saying, there were some dunks on this one that are easily top 10, maybe even top 5 in the history of the dunk contest. Yeah. It, it's getting close to, like, the the pinnacle of, like, human athleticism. I would have loved to see somebody try the 360 from the free throw line. Mm -hmm. I think that this is like a second renaissance of the dunk contest, whereas like back in the Dwight Howard, Nate Robinson days was, at least in our lifetimes, the first peak. That was a lot more about showmanship. This is a lot more about athleticism. Both are impressive in their own ways. They need to get Jordan Killian in. Uh, on some upcoming dunk contests. If you haven't seen him, you should see some of his dunks that he can do. They need to get John Morant in the dunk contest, but he says he's never going to do it because of how they judge it now. Which is a major And Aaron Gordon's retired now because of it. Yes. But without Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, I think that the dunk contest as we knew it would have been dead. Is so it- we have to be thankful to them. Is it too early to have a Zion Williamson be the um, rookie of the year conversation? Is that an overreaction? Because he's so good. <laughs> he is so good, but how many games has he played? Like five, ten? Between those two numbers. <laughs> I think it's too soon. Like, that's like... 
saying after Kyrie played five games in college, can he be the national player of the year? Yeah, but that's all he played in college. He has a whole second half of the season. I mean, yes. I don't know. I guess the same argument as Zion last year. Missing half the season. I think if the Pelicans track, if the Pelicans walk down the Grizzlies and steal that eighth spot, I don't know how you don't give it to Zion. I say on February (laughs) sixteenth. I think that he could potentially have a good argument for it. I think it's a little too soon to say at this point, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it's not like he's putting up Luka Doncic numbers, but he's still doing pretty good for his rookie season. <laughs> yeah, because Luka Doncic wasn't putting up more points in his minutes when he was when he was a rookie. Um, he's just doing yeah. it now only in his second year and only as a 20-year-old. Oh, <laughs> Speaking of John Morant, though, going after Steph Curry and um, KD. And Andre Iguodala, mainly. And Andre Iguodala, when we didn't get a chance to talk to each other. That was great. I loved that. That was very juicy. That's the NBA I live for. (laughs) It's all the pettiness. And I like John Morant. I like that he said, yeah, I have tweets where I said I love Steph Curry in the past, but where I can get him to, I can get him right now if, if he wanted it, and I appreciate it. And I also don't think Steph Curry wants those problems. On I don't think so either. <laughs> he was asking for a switch off of Fred Van Vliet. He does not want John Morant. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Anyway. Anyway, moving on from the NBA, unless y'all have anything more to say about All-Star Weekend. Um, uh, Stephen A. got technical. <laughs> I love that. Game. I'm a big fan of that. I love that. And that's all I have to say about All-Star Weekend. <laughs> Clyde Biggums. Yes, he was fantastic in the three-point contest <laughs> from the Mountain Dew Zone. From the Mountain Dew Zone. <laughs> Um, but anyways, moving on. Last week was the Oscars. I watched it, but I didn't watch like any of the movies that were nominated. So someone else can take the lead on this. LOL. Uh, I watched seven of the nine Best Picture nominations. Um, I saw all five of the Best Animated Feature nominations. Anyway, going into the night... It was more up in the air than most nights of what was actually going to win Best Picture. I think it, everyone has said it's between Joker 1917 and Parasite. And Parasite ended up winning Best Picture. I'm really happy with it. Parasite wasn't my favorite movie of 2019, or what I'll call the 2019 cinematic year, because I didn't see it till January. But it was my favorite of the Best Picture nominations by a very large... Um, gap, so I'm happy it won. I know Maverick also saw the movie, so yeah, it was a really unique kind of story, uh, and I did really like the director's kind of speech at the very end, where he was saying, "If you can get over the one-inch barrier at the bottom of the screen, you can expose yourself to some really cool stories." And I, I thought it was a, like I said, it's it's nothing that I'd seen before. It has a lot of twists and turns to it, and a lot of commentary to it, and a lot of nuance to it hey david yes do you watch anime dubbed or subbed um i actually watched both uh 
I usually watch like I've recently been watching uh, Demon Slayer, and I do that subbed. Um, but like Full Metal Alchemist, I really love the dub for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, but I actually don't mind either, honestly. I watch normal shows like I watch Game of Thrones with subtitles. I watch most of my Netflix shows with subtitles. Yeah, I also watch almost everything subbed. Um, but I have watched, I don't really watch anime, but I've watched like a Portuguese show on Netflix before uh, called 3%, and I've watched that both dubbed. And I've watched it, I watch it dubbed, but I've also watched it with subtitles and the dubbing. I don't recommend doing both at the same time because the translations sometimes don't match up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. That's the one annoying thing about I'm I so David I'm back on Full Metal Alchemist and I watched Yay! the episodes today. Um, I can't watch it both subbed and dubbed because they don't match and it's really annoying. But I do yeah. watch it dubbed and I like the voice acting good bit. The thing about dubbing is that voice acting can be all over the place. So yeah. you don't know if you're going to get a good one or not. But voice Parasite, acting can be all over the place and translation can be all over the place which is a problem with both. Right. But I recommend that everyone watch Parasite and if you are keeping if subtitles are a barrier for you then get over it cuz you're missing out on a lot of cool <laughs> things without uh without having it. But Maverick, I agree that it's a very creative story. One I don't know. Okay, so Aaron, we have a question from Yeah, from Turner Walston at Turner Walston. Uh, do you think Parasite wins Best Picture if it's an American-made film? Personally, I think Korea contributed to the commentary on the social strata and climate change, so I'm not sure if it would be the same film, but just curious. Maverick, do you have thoughts on this? I'm not quite sure. I definitely think if it was like produced, like, or I don't, I'm not sure if they're saying like if the st- setting took place in America or if it was just kind of produced by an American team, it might just have more exposure just given the market. Cause it was one of those things where I, rem- I do vaguely remember seeing a trailer for it in the theaters, but it didn't seem like it had as much of a marketing plan than I would say for probably domestic films. So I think in a way it could potentially have just at least had more popularity and exposure, at least to the market. I'm not sure if it would have done any better or worse because once people did start hearing about it, it was very successful. But I think it comes down ultimately maybe just to the the marketing due to where it was, where it covers. I actually think that their rollout plan for Parasite was very good. The, so it premiered at Cannes last year. Um, and it I, people really loved it coming out of Cannes. Um, it won the Palme d'Or. Uh, which is the best movie of that festival. Um, it came out in Korea in the summer, I want to say June, and it had a good amount of box office success in South Korea, which is when people started watching it. And then once it got to Oscar season, which is October in the States, um, momentum, the M word, started picking up, <laughs> and people started watching the movie, and then it gets to last Sunday when it wins Beck's picture and this week it is in 2000 theater, it's on 2000 screens across the country like if you're if you have a film like Parasite that's either international or smaller I think that's a really good plan 
where you don't have to spend a lot of money on marketing because it'll market itself. Of course, you're spending money on marketing for the um, Oscar campaign, but I it works. It has worked for Parasite, a movie I can't imagine costs that much. I don't have the budget in front of my screen, but as far as Turner's question, I feel like I'm not sure. I know of one American filmmaker who I think can deliver a movie like Parasite, because they have delivered a movie like Parasite, and it's called Sorry to Bother You. Uh, I think Boots Riley, if you gave Boots Riley the concept for Parasite, I think he could execute a similarly affecting movie. And also, Sorry to Bother You got robbed. I think that Boots Riley, Boots Riley has the kind of social acumen to really hit on the class struggles of a family like the uh, the main family in Parasite. I think that a movie like Parasite that is set in America has to deal with the problem of race, and I think that Boots Riley can do that. But also, we are getting an American Parasite that's coming to HBO in a year or two, so we will see what that looks like. It will see if it'll be good and if it'll be popular. Uh, I feel like and- we did get one already too. Us. Uh, yeah, I mean, us, yeah, I think Jordan Peele could also deliver a, a similar kind of movie. That's a good point. I totally um, wasn't thinking about that, Maverick, but you're absolutely right. Because it does, I think, without going into too much, there's a, it, there's a lot of duality between the families involved in Parasite, kind of similarly, not, I would say, to the horror type that it's explored in us, uh, but I think there are some, some themes. I think Jordan Peele could definitely pull something like that off, too. Yeah, I I agree. I think that either one of those two people could make a movie like Parasite. And maybe it would have more box office, more at least initial box office success. I'm not going to act like Parasite was like a box office flop. It's 100% not. But I think it'll have, it would have a bigger opening just because names like Jordan Peele are on it. Boots Riley, not so much because he has not had many features. Maybe Sorry to Bother You was his only feature. I'm not entirely sure, but Adam McKay um, of Vice and um, Succession are some of the things that he's worked on. I mean, Adam McKay has worked on a lot of things. The Big Short um, as well um, is going to be taking on Parasite. I think Adam McKay can make a show that hits on the Parasite themes well. But I'm not sure if Adam McKay has... I don't know if he can see it all the way through to hit on everything that Parasite did, which it did so, so well. I, y'all, I really like this movie, so... <laughs> I don't know. I I think it's possible, but I think Bong Joon-ho, um, considering his past filmography, was a really good person to take that project on. I mean, he made it, so of course he's the one who could take this project on. Anyway... Something interesting that I noticed about the Oscars this year was it was the 10th consecutive Oscars where the odds-on favorite to win Best Picture did not win Best Picture. I am not a betting man, but that is very interesting to me. What won last year? Slaffable. Last year it was Green Book. And the year before that it was Moonlight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that one because it was like 
Not La La Land. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, other Oscar things. I, like I said, I saw all five nominees for Best Animated Feature. Uh, a lot. There was a lot of buzz for I Lost My Body, which is a French animated movie. I watched it. I didn't love it. I thought it was weird, but not weird. And it was like in the, it was in the uncanny valley of weird. Was it, where it wasn't quite weird enough to get me all the way there. Um, so it just kind of left me hanging a little bit. But this wasn't a very strong gear for the anime category. Toy Story Four won. I like Toy Story Four, but it's. I still haven't seen favorite. Toy Story Four. It's good. It's probably the hardest I laughed in the theater last year. I have a lot of movies from this year's Oscars on my list. That's on my list. Parasite is on my list. Jojo Rabbit is on my list. Joker is on my list. I also just don't watch movies very often. Which is part of the problem. My second favorite best um, picture nominee, honestly. I really like Mary's Story. Even though y'all memed it to death, it's a good movie. Watch the, <laughs> watch the movie. Anyway. Anyway, moving on from the Oscars, uh, y'all wanted to talk about the Aaron Hernandez documentary? Yeah. I don't know. I, I also think. haven't watched it. <laughs> David, have you seen it? I have not. I'm it's really interesting. Um, I, I remember way back when when everything went down when Aaron Hernandez got arrested out of nowhere he just signed like that forty million dollar contract only to get arrested like just weeks or days later and I remember a whole thing where he came out of the house with his with his like he had his hands like or arms put in his shirt and behind his back but he didn't like have his shirt off like through the arms yeah. yeah and the whole thing where it was called like Hernandezing and they kind of cover that like the cultural kind of impact of it there. But this covers a lot of stuff that I just had no idea about. It goes a lot into the cases that were involved with him. A lot of his his upbringing, his family uh, around him. Um, A lot of stuff that he was going through behind the scenes. You know, what has now been almost revealed, like struggling with his own identity as a player um, and as a person. And so... And then not, and then going into the idea of CT, where they examined his brain, and the question becomes: Did his ultimately violent tendencies were was that a symptom of the CTE, or is that is it more complicated? Is it also just him being around the wrong people? So I like that this documentary spent one. I've really liked this documentary series. It's a really good, really tight three hours of television. I like that they spent a lot of time with us getting to know getting to know Lloyd, um, one of the people that um, he was. Oh, I mean, should I say alleged to kill? Was he ended up? I don't know. Ended up dead uh, as something by the hands of Aaron Hernandez. I don't want to be sued by the Aaron Hernandez estate because I'm not sure if the status of that trial because <laughs> I forgot. Um, but I, I like that they spent a lot of time on the victims because that's something you don't get in a lot of true crime documentaries. You really got to know who he was as a person. The one dude who was on his um, semi-pro football team uh, with the the light-skinned dude with the braids, Maverick. Yeah. He was so eloquent in, mm-hmm. in talking about 
um, like how beautiful of a person he was and how how tragic of a loss he was to their community in Boston. I I really enjoyed that part. Very the much. One thing so. I, yeah, the one thing I didn't like is when talking about Aaron Hernandez's sexuality. Um, that was yeah, I, I definitely it was a little jarring at points where it's, it's kind of it seems expose ish. I mean, if that it's not necessarily that he that's his identity, but it's kind of thing where like he is dead now, and it's kind of like almost in a way where he can't still speak for himself. I, that it's just like a portrayal of it. That part bothers me, and the other part is that there was a lot of insinuation that he was like living a life that was a lie because at one point he had messed around with a guy before and when you mess around with a guy that makes you gay when on the other side of it the guy that he messed around with it he was like sitting with his dad he's like I'm a proud bisexual man and I was like okay so you can be bisexual but Aaron Hernandez yeah I can see why that would be an issue yeah. Ooh, I can see I why mean, that's been an issue there's been plenty of people who've had kids that end up being gay but also the same thing who has a fiance has a daughter actually but yet he's just fully considered gay not bisexual yeah that that part really bothers me um but other than that i i really i mean even considering that like just things you like don't have to be like monolithically good i i recommend people watch this documentary because it's really interesting and getting to know aaron hernandez aaron hernandez and the um the things around him that made him who he was is really interesting. So I recommend it. Colby, you also watched Love is Blind recently? Yes, and I love it. <laughs> so Love is Blind is a new Netflix reality show where there are eight guys, eight women, um, on like two sides of a compound. They go into pods, they can't see each other. And they go on literal blind dates with each other. And within 10 days, they decide who they want to marry. <laughs> oh, that escalated quickly. What? Wait, is this on Excuse Netflix me? or what? It's, yeah, it's on Netflix. The first five episodes are out. Um, I might have to watch that because I kind of like that stuff. That sounds like <laughs> some crazy stuff right there. It's so, so great. Um, yeah, it's on Netflix. Um, it's called Love is Blind. And yeah, they just go on a couple dates, and then they they fall for each other, and then uh-huh. uh, one dude gets on uh, gets on a knee on the other side of the glass, and the other person can't see them, and they propose to get married. And yeah, it's, do you uh, get to see them, or you don't even see them until it's re- they're revealed? No, you see them. Okay, um, that would be a really get- cool concept. They get to see each other once they propose, like once they're engaged. Yeah. Um, that's when they get to see. But each I'm other. sure there's like vignettes where they comment on like how things are going, like a reality show would, where you can yeah. see them. So like the the first couple episodes are like in the compound where they are, and then the next couple episodes are the couples on their on a vacation in Mexico, and like how they're like getting to know each other like physically like actually being around each other um also wink wink getting to know each other Bow, physically chicken, wow, wow. is a big storyline <laughs> in the show um yeah it's a really good show i love it it's really good <laughs> there are five episodes out in the next um like three come out on thursday so 
It's a three week event. Everyone should watch Love is Blind. It's like the circle but dating. <laughs> I still need to watch the circle. I've heard it's so good. You told me it's so good. It is so good. Um I have been watching a lot of Designated Survivor recently on Netflix. I've moved on to season three, which is a Netflix produced season. Um, and it has gotten awful, but I am in way too deep. I have like 10 episodes left. I'm not giving up at this point. Uh, so have you completely dropped Riverdale? I have not watched Riverdale at all this season. I will watch it eventually, probably. Um, I haven't watched any CW. It's kind of good this year. That's it's still pretty wild. Every year. Is every it good year. or good for Riverdale standards? Good for Riverdale standards, I would say. <laughs> Nobody understands the highs and lows of high school football. Hey, on this season of Sabrina, Sabrina season three, they go to Riverdale. Have you ever seen me without this stupid hat on? <laughs> they go to Riverdale. They go to the um, the Blossoms, um, like their, their sap farm, whatever it's called. Yeah. Thornhill or whatever the other house was. Yeah, Thistle House. Thistle, yeah. Whichever one they did burn down. Anyways, I cannot talk about Riverdale right now. (laughs) I'm not in the right mental state. I did not prepare myself. Um, uh, I also watched the first episode of the new Survivor season, Winners at War. If you've ever watched Survivor, ever, I highly recommend you watch this season. I think it's shaping up to be really, really fun. It is season 40, and they have 20 past Survivor winners on the show. Um, and it's also for $2 million, which they freaked out because it's twice as much money, but it's still a lot of money. Um, but the fact that it's 20 people that have won the game of Survivor on the show... 20 of the best ever, I think, is a really cool idea. And I'm excited to see how it plays out. Anyone else been consuming any other content? Um, So I saw the photograph this week, and I also saw the um, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, which is no longer called that. If you look in your AMC apps, it's now called Harley Quinn Birds of Prey because it did not do very well at the box office so they're trying to switch it up to see if it'll get any more traction changing up the name i like both movies for they're very different and i like different things about both of them uh the first one or birds of praise the first one was very action oriented very well action directed is how i'm going to say that and it's just a really fun time with Margaret Robbie and Journey Smollett and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. All very good. All having a great time. And no Jared Leto, which makes it great. Ewan um, McGregor, though. And Ewan McGregor, who's doing an accent that I can't parse. Couldn't figure it out if it was American or English or Welsh, whatever he is doing. It was weird. But he is very charming and swarmy in the movie. It's good. And then the photograph is just a very good black love story that you don't get to see that often because it doesn't involve any racism. I mean, racism is in the fabric of our society, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it doesn't have, like, any police violence or abusive husbands 
or like any of the other tropes that you'll see in a certain uh, director or filmography. I'm sorry, I was gonna go there, Colby, but you didn't say. I was, <laughs> I was just about to go there. No one finds Jesus at the end. Like it's just like a regular love story, except they're black people, and you never get to see that. And I really enjoyed it. So <laughs> I'm glad you were there with me. I was right there. Um. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like I mentioned this another time, but I'm playing this game called Hollow Knight. It's an indie game, and it's so it's a it's a 2D platformer kind of thing. And I I've been trying to play more indie games, and it just amazes me that something like this was made by three people. And I'm just like I'm just amazed by the amount of work and like detail that goes into some of these indie games. And I really need to play more, which is what I'm trying to do. Uh, this year so yes Hollow Knight 10 out of 10 would recommend How I feel like I've heard people talk about it it's very good Maverick I know you said you're watching wrestling tonight what pay-per-view is it today this is NXT TakeOver so it's like the developmental brand for WWE mm-hmm. but they've kind of quasi made them their own kind of brand where they're not trying to consider them like development, but they they're basically people who are just coming in from independent scene and like getting their feet wet in WWE. So it's fun. They're wrestling. <laughs> that's exciting. Um, yeah, I think that's it for content. But we have a couple more Twitter questions. So from Brandon Wheeler at Tar Wheels, Tar underscore Wheels, excuse me. What NBA team should I root for? Looking for a West Coast team to adapt to my new time zone, important factors, style of uniform, former heels, and fun to watch. My guy, you are hustling backwards. It is 2020. We are not picking new teams at this point. <laughs> just, just watch just watch the games. Do not give yourself another thing to be attached to when sad about. <laughs> but on the other hand, I would probably recommend the Portland Trailblazers if you're all the way on the West Coast. No! What the Trailblazers? Yes, like they're have, fun to watch. But. You have Nas Little. You have one of the best point guards in the lead, and Dame Lillard, who would have became a Tar Heel had Roy Williams offered him. They're one of the best teams in the West. I mean, they are still in the playoff hunt at the moment. I still see them making the playoffs, and it's on the West Coast. Or, I mean, you can always cheer for the Mavericks. I was going to say the. I mean, the Lakers have Danny Green. Just go. Just be basic. Go Lakers. And they, have, and they have the greatest player of all time. If you're going for just cool jerseys, I would probably go with the Jazz. But who wants really? to watch the Jazz? I love the Jazz uniforms. I mean, I like their colors a little. I don't know. Who do you think's cooler than them on the West Coast? The Nuggets have some I, cool uniforms, too. What is Jazzy are- about Utah? New Orleans. Listen. Put the Jazz back in New Orleans. Make the Jazz. Make Utah be the Bobcats, and make Memphis yes. be the Blues. Uh, yeah. I mean, if you are dead set on picking the team, I also recommend the Blazers. Dame Lillard is very fun. You will have a good time rooting for him. And the way that he talks about that city, I don't think he's going anywhere. But don't pick a team. Just watch basketball. It's better that way. You get to watch all the games I don't get to watch because I have to go to bed. All the like Lakers and Clippers <laughs> and Blazers games that I want to watch and can't. So just watch a bunch of basketball. I also feel like it's not as simple as just saying I'm going to pick a team. Like, 
a couple weeks ago, I went to a Canes game, and I said I'm getting I'm going to get back into hockey, but I don't know what team I'm going to root for, and I'm not going to try and pick a team. I have three teams that I have I have about equal affiliation to, but I'm just going to root for who I feel connected to. Yeah, picking a fandom is it can be difficult. I mean, not everyone has a team named after them. <laughs> God, your name's Quebec- Tar Heel. <laughs> Tar Hole. <laughs> Go pack. Um, from Annie Rindle at Annie underscore Rindle. What's your favorite song that's come out this year? So I'm bad at listening to songs that come out like within months of me hearing them. Yeah, um, I'm but bad the, at it as well. The song that I'm really um, digging right now is Circles by Post Malone because I like indie pop and it sounds like indie pop and make Post Malone stop rapping and make him do all his songs should be like Circles because that is an amazing song. If we're going by like what I've listened to the most this year, uh, The Box by Roddy Rich, honestly. <laughs> if I'm being quite frank with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> hey, live your truth, bro. <laughs> Does this year mean in twenty like tw- this calendar year or in the past twelve months? Because I do not listen to that much new music, so I only have one submission. But they are in the past twelve months, not in the past calendar year. I was going by twenty twenty, not in the past calendar year. Oh, I have no submission then. Sorry. I, I kind of like uh, from North Carolina's own the baby. I like Bop. Bop is a good one. I do like Bop. The music video for that is fantastic, and it has the Jabberwockies in it. It's a, it's it's a fun time. I do, I do like myself. I do like my my boy Post though. I do I kind of like Take What You Want that has Ozzy Osbourne with it. I I like his his indie pop side, Colby. It's a good side. It's the best side. Like, make Post Malone stop rapping. Make a cheer and stop rapping. Just <laughs> Have you heard like of uh, what's it, South of the Border right now? That he's got with uh, Camila Cabello and Cardi B. So bad. <laughs> oh, so God. bad. I'm tired of Camila Cabello, and I don't even listen to her crap. Like, I don't, I'm so tired of this woman. <laughs> I don't even listen to her stuff. I that and Justin Bieber. Like- Justin Bieber needs to stop. Apparently his new album is very boring. I want to like Camila Cabello. I can't. I I've tried. I've really tried. Uh, Dua Lipa's song um, "Don't Start Now" that came out late last year, I think. I really like that song. I don't know. That's on Colby's playlist. We have one more question from myself. Top five fruits. Go. No, I'm not participating in this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's all we've got then. Uh, if you want to find us, you know where to find us on Twitter at NeverMadePod, um, on iTunes, NeverMadeVarsity, tinyurl.com slash NeverMadeVarsity. You're listening to us, you know where we are. Leave us a five star rating or review, something. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you next week. Apples, lemons, strawberries, bananas, and clementines. Does that count? Thank you for participating.